and scene. And now on Radio 4, it's time for The Classics Reimagined. Today we give you Alan Bennett's Talking Heads rendition of Casablanca. So there I was with Muller on a National Express coach on our way to Leeds Bradford Airport. And I said, Mother, if that plane leaves the ground and you're not with him, him being Barry Stanhope, a plumber gentleman friend she'd recently met at the local working men's club on a bingo night. I met him twice over a dinner of boiled potatoes and faggots, and all I really remember about the man is a bad haircut and an overwhelming smell of Lynx Africa. But I said, Mother, if you're that plane leaves the ground and you're not with him, you'll regret it. Maybe not today, and Mother, maybe not tomorrow. But soon, and for the rest of your life. Mother looked up at me glassy-eyed, turning ahead from a woman's weekly, where she was doing the under-twelves crossword. She looked at me meaningfully and said, Alan, what's three across, four letters, another word for dislike? Ad. Said. Good morning and welcome to the BBC's coverage of The Coronation. If you're joining us watching on BBC Three, you would have just seen a gripping episode of Sun, Fun and Gonorrhea, uh, which was being aired as the cameras were being set up, so we do apologise for the delay there. But you now join us live from within Westminster Abbey for perhaps a more sombre occasion, the coronation of King Charles III. I, I should Coco and um, yes as you say a little bit of delay there getting the camera set up but thankfully we're good to go now we've been seeing a lot of familiar faces mm. um, uh, piling in for want of a better expression and what we're going to do now is we're going to take the camera and we're going to go up and down some of the pews and we're going to pick out some of the some of the people that you know are more famous and I am drawn immediately to and uh, the cameraman has gone to her this is the prettiest little girl. Oh, doesn't she look gorgeous on this day? Isn't she adorable? I mean, I, she has a picture. And the way she's smiling at the camera and she's got those little jelly bean sandals on. And she is she is delightful. And I, I'm not sure I'm not sure she's a lady or I'm not sure who she is exactly. Just there's those little pigtails, her face is just a joy of radiant youth and naivety and innocence and it's it's so gorgeous on this occasion. I've just been told actually in my ear that is actually uh, the 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 the, uh, the the that's Prince Andrew's date. Oh, it's Prince Andrew's plus one. Yes, and uh, just if you can see this, the, the the rather plumpish sort of pouty. If they just pan up, there yes, he is, just panning there out. There he is, in looking all his regalia. The the Prince Andrew, uh, what a the Grand Old Duke of York, as he as he's um known. Yes. He does look. Um, I think he can see the cameras on him. He's Slightly looking flustered. Does look flustered, doesn't he? And he's he's put his hand down now, and he's just slapping at the little girl just to stop dancing. She was dancing and like a bit like Shirley Temple on the Good Ship Lollipop, but um, yeah. slightly hot under the collar. He he doesn't look comfortable. He does look. He looks a bit. Unfortunately, as we know, well known, Prince Andrew can't sweat, which means. That, that would explain his tongue hanging out because he's panting like a dog. On a day like today, you really would want to. Maybe we should move on now. But what a lovely couple! Um, uh, moving, moving, moving along from the from the young prepubescent girl and uh, Prince Andrew. Moving along. Oh, 
We're in the what I like to think of as the Commonwealth section. Yes, there there is a section of Westminster Abbey dedicated to our, our, our friends and cousins and, and colleagues from around the world in the Commonwealth. Yes, and uh, this lady who we're looking at now, I am I'm no expert, but I'm thinking this is either this is either Floella Benjamin or it is Fatima Whitbread. Now, I'm not sure which one that is. So, in my ear, I've just had that confirmed. That's actually Dame Kelly Holmes. Oh, Dame Kelly Holmes. she looks to have brought, oh, not a romantic partner, but a a lady friend with her instead. Oh, what a shame on a day like today that you haven't been taken down the aisle by, uh, you know, an attractive gentleman. and, And she's had to come along with, I mean... A strikingly handsome woman she's with. I'll give her that. Very handsome. Very handsome. Strong very big, jaw. Big hands as well. Yeah, if you can very big. Now she's really zoomed in on this, on those hands. They do look. I think she could pick up a basketball with one of them. Anyway, um, moving along. Well, I, th- I think it's also important not just to talk about who is here, but who sadly couldn't be here on this this prestige occasion. You and uh, myself, we've covered so many of these events, and I know that we've enjoyed. Uh, with the camera moving up and down and seeing so many familiar faces and there's there's a lot of people who can't be here not just the Queen and Prince Philip who are obviously both dead and um, God rest their souls absolutely um, and, and actually led to this event today but who, who are some of your favourites that you're not going to see well I, I think the, the sort of faces we would normally see at this kind of event who sadly can no longer be with us includes of course the likes of Robert Mugabe well, dear old Robert not, not with us anymore. I remember him shaking Prince Charles's hand as he was back yes, then. Prince Charles as Surprised he was. him. He was a tinker. He was a tinker. Yes. He saw Prince Charles come in and he knew that protocol said he shouldn't, but he, he shouted out, Charlie boy. He saw the twinkle in the He turned eye. around and they both shared that rather warm handshake. It's and, uh, very famous. The, yeah. world's, the world's press looking. And of course, the self styled last king of Scotland. Out, your friend and mine, Idi Amin. Idi Amin. I remember once I shared a box with him at Wimbledon, and um, he was a character. The stories he would tell you, honestly, it'd turn your turn your hair a different colour. Really, really quite nasty. Some of it, but I mean, but an old-fashioned gentleman in other respects. Oh, the last king of Scotland, as you as, as you say, and as he would make you say a real a real figure. He would make you say under some some discomfort. People who we've met at these events who have been surprisingly funny and well-natured and I can't help but think about Colonel Gaddafi. I knew you were going to say Colonel yes. Gaddafi. My Mark Gaddafi was a hoot. He really was a hoot. More sinned against than sin, I think, when it comes to having yes. a sense of humour. He yes. really did. And I, I'm not sure if you remember the story, so I, I, I'm sure you do. I'm just going to repeat it for the, for, for the viewers at home. When, after one of the big Commonwealth events, him and Winnie Mandela sung a very, very memorable uh, karaoke duet of Elton John and Kiki Dee's Don't Go Breaking My Heart. He, yes, he made her do that. I mean, she was quite resistant to start with. She loosened up a little, but let's just say she was, you know, she was no Beyonce. Um, and they raised the roof. They did. They? I must admit, Nelson wasn't quite so impressed. I think it was the day after that he actually filed for divorce. Yeah, face like thunder. He was not. Face like thunder. I remember him, he was screaming, you know, the necklace killings are one thing, but this is just taking it too far. It was a step too far as far as dear old Nelson was was, concerned. It was amusing, I must admit. It was one of my fondest memories. 
Oh, and as we hear the fanfare begin, as King Charles III has now entered Westminster Abbey, we'll now pass over to the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, to begin the ceremony. And scene. And now on Radio 4, it's time for the next episode in our series of The Classics Reimagined. Today we have again Alan Bennett's Talking Heads rendition of V for Vendetta. So I turned to Mother and I said, voila! In view, humble, vaudevillian, veteran, cast vicariously as both victim and villain by the vicissitudes of fate. This visage, no mere veneer of vanity, is a vestige of the Vox Populi, now vacant, vanished. However, this valorous visitation of a bygone vexation stands vilified and has vowed to vanquish these venal and virulent vermin, vanguarding vice and vouchsafing the violently vicious and voracious violation of volition. Of course, the only verdict is vengeance. A vendetta, I said to mother, held as a votive not in vain, for the value and veracity of such shall one day vindicate the vigilant and the virtuous. Verily, this vichoir of verbiage v is most verbose, so let me simply add that it's my very good honour to meet you, and you may call me V. Mother turned to me and she said, What did you say, Alan? So I just reminded her that as the chase was about to finish with the delectable Bradley Walsh that it was almost time to put on a dinner of boiled potatoes and faggots so we'd have time to dine with Barry Stanhope, a local plumber, before Emmerdale would start promptly at 7pm. And scene! And this week on Loose Ends, I'm talking to Daniel Davidson, who's been very busy in the West End this week, reviewing three of the latest musical phenomena, which are musicals based on popular television programmes. Good evening, Daniel. Hello there. Yeah, I mean, you you would be um, blind to not see that springing up all over the West End are what we call tie-ins. Tie-in musicals that um, they actually, they're, they're playing on people's affection for the underlying media that is the television programme and someone has come along and they've put a book to them and they've put some music to them and they're, they're sort of hoping that the popularity of those TV shows get people into theatre, get bums on seats. A lot like uh, the jukebox musicals when you had Mamma Mia and the Kinks musical and the one with the small faces, that sort of thing. Of but now they're doing it with um, popular reality television shows, so it's, it's a little bit different. Yes, we've already seen uh, Great British Bake Off the musical, and exactly. on the back of that, you've been to review... I mean, what was the first one? Well, surprisingly, hold on to your horses, but the, the first one was actually Master Chef the Musical. OK. Variations of a theme? Yes, I mean, probably a little bit derivative, you might think, of what they did with the Great British Bake Off musical, but different in its own way. I mean, it's BBC, so it's not as enjoyable, obviously. Of course. Um, so it starts off with the Greg and John characters. Uh, I'll give you an idea of the sort of the lyrics of the song. If but you it, were, it, goes, it goes along the lines of both of them saying, "We can't boil an egg or spread a slice of bread, but we're the masters of the chef." Yes, we're the masters of the chef. Okay, so sending them up in a playful. Pretty much. The only thing I will say is that, that goes on for I 12 minutes. 
oh. of the song. And and to be honest, once you've got past the rhyming of egg and bread, um, there wasn't a lot else there. There wasn't a lot of substance, but fair enough. You know, I mean... Yeah, they, they big opening number. Big opening number. Then what happens? You're through the preliminary rounds. They don't go into that in any great detail. The stage is set with six workstations, and then you have the six main characters of the show who you're meant to grow some affection towards. Not so much. Some of them very cliched. There's the there's the lady from India who cooks very spicy food. Okay. There's the there's the gentleman who spent a summer in Jamaica who loves jerk chicken. So playing on some classic tropes. Yes, I mean he's a ginger-headed chap, so not quite as traditional as you might think. But, oh, okay. But still, not really characters that you fall in love with. The next big number, and it's uh, John on his own without Greg, and he's it's a furious number where he actually says, "This chicken is a little pink for me." Okay. This chicken, and he absolutely demolishes the contestant, or you know, uh, who, who's come up and presented this pink chicken. And for comedic effect, actually, uh, the chicken actually makes a squawking sound. As he, oh, okay. Yeah. It's... So you, you know, you're very much in a sort of pantomime type yes, atmosphere okay. here. Quite and slapstick. Absolutely. Okay. A bit of a chuckle. Again, a very long song, very heavy, lot of um, you know uh, repetition. But yes, the chicken was a little too pink for him. We're through that. We're through to the final three. Okay. Um, and that's where things get a little bit wild. That lady I mentioned early on, the Asian lady who likes the spicy food, she gets taken down a peg. We're probably the only song that I came out of there humming along to. It was... It was almost a homage, if you like, to Lionel Bart's musicals. And it was, Who Puts Chili in a Custard? Okay. Who, who puts chili in a custard? Who, who puts chili in a custard? I'm singing along already. Who That's puts chili in a custard? Okay, yes. Who puts chili in there? Very much, uh, a throwback to the classic Bart sort exactly. of musicals. Yes, okay. Yes, but That's... I mean, all in all, a fairly inoffensive two hours in the theatre. I wouldn't. I. I. Would I recommend it? Maybe. You sound a bit like Greg yourself <laughs> in that in that review. Yes. And and then the second programme you watched this week, second musical was well, took it took it up a pace. I mean from 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 a BBC linked musical, we're straight into a Channel Four production. So I was expecting I was expecting full frontal nudity and uh, boy, they didn't disappoint because the next musical I went to see was something called 24 hours in police custody. Oh, okay. I'm aware of the program. Well, I wasn't, and um, it's quite good because in the program, it does give you the premise there's been a hideous, horrible murder, and they have 24 hours to hold someone. A suspect who has very obviously done it comes from a council estate type background, a bit of a Herbert is how they recall, they sort of refer to him in the programme, and they have 24 hours to pin it on him. OK, so introducing some jeopardy, some tension. There is a little bit of jeopardy. You you can't really be sympathetic to the main character who is being held in custody. He has one line throughout the entire show until the last act, which is okay. no comment. OK, I see. He's played by a stunning newcomer, I must admit, but we do get to see quite a lot of him at various points so um 
the first the first i mean and some actors would have shied away from this especially in a, what's being billed as a family musical but the first big number is actually touch your toes and it's got a subheading of requiem for the single use non-latex rubber glove now very channel four very channel four and apparently very in keeping with the program but I don't know if people really want to go along and see that in a theatre. I wouldn't imagine a family show with a title like that. The lady next to me put her jelly babies away at that point and I didn't see her eat another one for the rest of the show. I can imagine. Yes, so again, after he'd gone through that slight indignity and they didn't find anything... Oh, sorry, spoiler alert. <laughs> so we must warn viewers there may be some spoilers in the programme. Nothing up sorry. there. They were, they were looking for his mobile phone and a laptop, but nothing up there. Um... Next, we go into the interview scene, which actually takes up the bulk of the middle section of the play okay. or the musical. And uh, again, the, the, the actor just has the line, no comment. Repetitive and moribund, really. I mean, that went on for 20 minutes. They were confronting him with evidence. No comment, no comment. There was actually, and it's the mm. first time I've seen this in a musical, they actually conveyed it with a PowerPoint presentation where... Very interesting. Yeah, it, it was, but there was not much singing. Okay. And, um, it, just, it sounds a long time for... It felt a long time. It did feel a long okay. time. We come up to the crescendo of the play, of the, of, 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 of the uh, musical, and uh, it, it, it actually ends with probably what I would call a six out of ten um, song. But basically, this spot of jism will send you to prison. Now... Forensics, crude. crude, but forensically correct, as it turns out, because this is this is not just based on the television show. They've actually taken one of their earliest cases, and um, oh, a footing in real life. Yes, it was a burglary, and um, what the burglary used to do is he used to break into a house that was empty. Thank God, but then he would go round and. I think they they said what the medical condition was, but he would he would masturbate vigorously on each and every cushion he could find. Definitely doesn't sound like a family show. No, I don't think so. And this is why it's on at the Barbican. So oh, uh, say no more. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, to be honest, the one song you'll probably remember from the title alone. Okay. Okay. So so moving on, what was the third show you saw this week? Well, the third show was kind of interesting because. I've never seen this show myself, but it's called what I believe is a uh, it's a misery porn program that's watched by people who like to feel superior to other unfortunate people in life. These shows are very big in America. They're very big with people of a, a lower mentality who just like to watch people very disadvantaged leading very miserable lives. And it, the show's called My 600 Pound Life. Yes, I'm aware of it. Avid watcher, actually. Oh, really? Yes, yes. Not, yeah. not, notwithstanding everything you've previously described about it, it's, it's audience-based. And, and how, how was this musical for you? Short. I mean, to be honest with you, it was 40 minutes at a push, um, which I think was a blessing, because I, I didn't enjoy it. And I must just say that there's, you may have seen in the press there was some, there was some controversy about the casting. So in the lead role, it was originally going to be the marvellous Natalie Portman, who would have brought a gravitas and a sympathy to that role of the incredibly overweight heifer lump of a girl who needed help. 
she dropped out. She dropped right. out. So we're left with Gemma Collins in um, her first musical role. A brave choice. A brave choice. I mean, they saved to some degree on a fat suit, but even Gemma Collins isn't six hundred pounds, is she? So no, perhaps a misguided casting. Yeah, I mean, it kind of helps that she's got a fat face, so you can kind of believe it more than if they put Natalie Portman in a fat suit, because that would have just been a little pin of a head on top of, of course. it. But you know, I mean, you can do so much with exactly. padding, Godfather-style padding. As I say, it moves along at a hell of a pace, something akin to the program, I imagine, without without the breaks, with the breaks taken out. First song is. Um, I'd like to order some food. Um, it's just a complete list of a absolutely terrible, terrible, terrible meal that she eats. She orders, and I, I wrote this down because, and I'll tell you why I wrote it down in a minute. Six large pizzas oh my gosh. with a stuffed crust. Oh, so that's a lot of bread. That's a lot of that's cheese. A lot of that's carbs. a lot of. Ten buckets of chicken wings. Buckets. Yes. Now, in fairness. I was expecting, but they were they were still. I would say in each one probably had about twelve. Wings. But I guess you don't get six hundred pounds without eating. Well, no, you have to put the work in. I must admit. And then uh, for dessert, five tubs of something called Ben and Jerry's, a, uh, a calorie packed uh, ice cream um, for those at home, usually stuffed with lots of extras like exactly. chocolates and biscuits. Yeah, and, I mean and if it's such. not full enough, I mean as I understand, it's fat. Then Very they put more much. stuff in it. Yes, and a diet coke. Now the reason I mentioned that. That actress has to eat that all on stage. The actress actually consumes those products. She absolutely does. And that's, and a, that's a very trying role. She came on with a bit of a zip in her step, but I must admit, after the first act, I found her a little bit tired. I mean, imagine eight shows a week. Matinee's on a Saturday. I, 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 I don't know how big she's going to be at the end of it, but a, a scary size. Next song, the arc of the story moves into the fact that she needs to eat a salad, hold the front page, fat people need to eat salads. I mean, it's... Trying to get the weight down. I'm not... I don't want to oversimplify it. Obviously, it's a very complex issue. Some people are so fat, they can't stop eating for some reason. But if you do eat the occasional salad, I have it on good authority, you might lose a bit of weight. And it's... Um, a salad, a salad, my kingdom for a salad. Again, her energy levels are so low, she's singing that from a couch. Yeah, the Shakespearean reference, a call back to perhaps what some may consider more serious theatre. Yes, well, it was tedious, to be honest with you. And then the grand finale, and apparently yeah, very formulaic television, uh, this is what normally happens. They fall off the wagon. I mean... Mm. They Very can't, familiar with the show. They can't even get on the wagon most Tell of the time. time. Yeah, absolutely. So um, these poor fat people, they eat a salad for two weeks, they lose a little bit of weight, then all of a sudden temptation comes along, there's a calamity in the show, the dog has a chest infection or something. Something puts them off the straight and narrow. Of course. And before you know it, all the weight is regained and they're just planning for an early death. And and that's the third musical that I went to see this week, which is called My Six Hundred Pound Life. Well, Daniel, thank you very much for that that comprehensive, uh, robust, and and honest critique of the shows you've seen this week. I go and see them, so you don't have to, unless you want to. <laughs> Daniel, thank you very much. Thank you. And scene. And now on radio for the final in our series of the classics reimagined. And now, 
Alan Bennett will give us his American beauty. My name is Lester Burnham. This is my neighbourhood. This is my street. The street in question being a row of terraced houses in a small Yorkshire village with a kindly Mr Patel that has the corner shop on the end of the row. This is my life. I am 42 years old. In less than a year, I'll be dead. Of course, I don't know that yet, and in a way, I'm dead already. Look at me, jerking off in the shower. I say shower, but it's really just those rubber hose pipes that are attached to the end of the taps on the bathtub. This will be the high point of my day, and it's all downhill from here. That's my wife, Carolyn. See the way the handle on those pruning shears matches her gardening clogs? That's not an accident. That's our next door neighbour, Jim, and that's his lover, Jim. Man, I get exhausted just watching her. She wasn't always like this. She used to be happy. We used to be happy. My daughter, Jane, only child. Janie's a pretty typical teenager. Angry, insecure, confused, much like mother, really. I wish I could tell her that all's gonna pass, but I don't want to lie to the lass. Both my wife and daughter think I'm this gigantic loser, and to be honest, they wouldn't be far wrong. I have lost some it. I'm not exactly sure what, but I know I didn't always feel this sedated. But you know what? It's never too late to get it back. And after I poured my heart out to Mother with this soul-searching speech, she turned to me and said, Alan, have you been wanking in the bathtub? And I said, well, Mother, what goes on in there is my own business, but if the block hole does get blocked, you can always ask the local plumber, Barry Stanhope, to come round with his plunger. And scene.